So stupid. What a dumb question. Charlie, what's your reaction to seeing this? I feel like I'm here at a historical moment in time. Taylor, how did you figure out a guy had a python in his pants? Python. Bloody, bloody, blah, 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 bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. Cooler. Yeah, baby. The Como Water Cooler with Charlie Harger and Taylor Van Size. Welcome to the Como Water Cooler. I'm Charlie. I'm Taylor. Coming up in today's episode... If you find the thought of going out to a restaurant wearing nothing but a smile and some paper underwear appealing, we've got a story for you. Also on the way, it's like the Walking Dead versus Mosquitoes, a new way to look at the fight against Zika. Hillary or Donald, turns out whoever the next person moving into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue will be, it could affect the value of your own home. Now hold on there, Fred Dispenser. Are you saying you're down with TPP? Yeah, you know me. And organizers of the Fremont Solstice Parade find themselves in a pickle. Oh, come on. Trying to get all those naked bike riders together. Now that's what I call a sticky situation. (laughs) But first, the real news. A nationwide expert says Seattle is dragging its heels in solving the homeless problem. Como's Jeff Pogela has the story. It's no secret that Seattle is struggling with an epidemic of homelessness. In fact, the mayor has even declared a state of emergency over the issue. But Barbara Poppy, a national expert who's helped a number of other cities, says Seattle has another problem that makes things even worse. I love, I love all of you in Seattle. You're, you're great folks to, to smart, strategic providers. Um, but it is not a community that is that. It, it, it's much more inclined to discussion and planning and process that goes on and on and on. Poppy, who's been hired as a consultant, says at some point decisions need to be made. I do see from the other four cities that they were much more able to move forward. But she doesn't have any specific recommendations as yet. Those aren't due for another two months. Jeff Pogela, Como News. Seattle Mayor Ed Murray takes executive action to start work on creating a homeless shelter with almost no restrictions. Now, the shelter will be based on San Francisco's Navigation Center. And a lot like that facility, Seattle's shelter will welcome couples, people who have pets, and those who are actively using drugs and alcohol, as well as people who have untreated behavioral health issues. Jason Johnson of Seattle's Human Services Administration says those people are often turned away by current shelters. It is a a model that's based on uh, accepting people exactly as they are and uh, offering them an invitation to come indoors. The site will be open for 24 hours a day and serve as a one-stop shop for services with the goal of moving people into permanent homes. Now, they haven't decided on a location for that shelter yet. Governor Jay Inslee spent part of the day at Seattle's Westlake Park gathering signatures for a new initiative. Charlie was there. Initiative 1433 would gradually raise the minimum wage over the next four years from where it is now at 947 an hour to 1350 an hour and make sure employees have paid sick leave. This is a good thing for families. It's a good thing for businesses. It's a good thing for the economy. People getting lunch at Westlake weren't expecting to see Inslee, especially having him ask for their signature. You are registered. I am, yes. Supporters have until July 8th to gather signatures. They'll need a quarter million of them in order to make it on the November ballot. So, Charlie, uh, you kind of saw the governor doing some legwork there. Usually they have someone for that. Well, and I didn't want to compare him to Tim Iman. Tim Mm -hmm. Iman's also been in the news this week. He knows a little something about signature gathering. Governor's a big man. Mm -hmm. Like, he was a high school quarterback. He is built. He's strong. I know he's in his 60s, what have you. I think he could take me. Is that right? Yeah, he could he could pound me. 
you know, I bet he could get a, at least one really good hit on you, but since you're his his junior, right. I think you might have the endurance. Okay, so I, I might have just the the stealthiness. Like, have you seen Rocky Balboa, the movie? Of the, course, yeah. yeah okay. It was part seven or eight or something like that. Every time you get knocked down, yeah. you got to get back up. I think so, but you're like the younger guy who's you know able to dance around a little more. Okay, I, I like to think of myself more like Sylvester Stallone. Oh, you mean uh, with a lot of uh, calcification around his knuckles? No, just all my plastic surgery. Oh, yeah, and the steroids. And now the stories we should have covered. Charlie, on the topic of uh, growing older in life, you ever heard of adult diapers? Heard of them. <laughs> I use them, apparently. <laughs> well, they're not for seniors with bladder issues. Some folks in a Chicago suburb don't like a store that sells diapers for adults who get a kick out of dressing as babies. Dozens of people told a Mount Prospect Village board meeting they oppose the Tykables store. Opponents say they're worried about the property values in the store's location near a school. Officials say there was no legal reason to deny a store a business license. Ethel, why do they have diapers at this store? I don't understand. Come to the window here, honey. I got something strange happening out there through the telescope. Telephone wires, duct tape, and a sex toy. Sounds like your Friday night. All adds up to a prison sentence for a Pittsburgh man who used those items together to rob a bank. Pittsburgh Tribune Review reports 36-year-old Aaron Stein was sent away last week to up to three years in prison after a judge rejected his plea for leniency. He pleaded guilty in March to knocking over that bank in Pennsylvania. He was toting a fake bomb made up of all those materials, and he was wearing an Iron Man mask. He was desperate after losing $9,000 he had invested to cover his approaching honeymoon. Honey, I'm going to pay for this Hawaii trip no matter what. Unrelated topic, honey, have you seen my Iron Man mask? New York City wants to try birth control for deer. City officials have approved fast-tracking a $2 million plan to give deer on Staten Island vasectomies. The Staten Island Advance reports state environmental officials must also okay the proposal. Some experts say there could be more than 1,000 deer on Staten Island. The study would start in September. Hundreds of bucks would be tranquilized, given vasectomies, and released in parks over three years, and never told why. Well, listen, I, I, I can give them the card for Dr. Snip. He's a very nice man. That can't be his real name. No, it's Dr. Snip. Okay. He, he didn't go to eight years of SNP school just to be Mr. SNP, Dr. SNP. By the way, you get a Leatherman tool at the end. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Welsh woman recovering after having a huge spider pulled out of her ear. Victoria Price is an avid swimmer and recently had sharp pain in her ear following a dip in the sea. She thought she had swimmer's ear, tried jumping around to get the clogged water out. Her husband ended up looking in her ear and saw something alive moving around inside. She went to the hospital where the spider was extracted with forceps. A nurse said it was larger than it originally looked. And you got to think the toughest part about getting to a hospital in Wales is reading the signs for the hospital. For the hospital. They don't have vowels. It's, it's not English. No, it's for the hospital. It's basically what you see in Ikea. Just fewer vowels. Spanish authorities are trying to track down a thief with possibly the world's largest pooper scooper. A giant inflatable poop display was recently stolen from the center of the town of Terrolonde, te, te, to, Torre Lodones. Torre Lodones. Barcelona. The city was running an awareness campaign reminding people to pick up their dog's feces. They have put up poo sculptures all over town promoting the campaign. Officials say they will replace the stolen poo with a fresh one once it's... Made by the designer. There's always a fresh one on the way. (laughs) 
Businesses in Key West, Florida, being urged by police to keep an eye on their bathroom cells. Check this out, Taylor. So... You, you, you go into a bathroom stall, mm-hmm. and oftentimes there'll be a hook on which you can hang your jacket, uh, your purse, what have you. Mm-hmm. Well, in these bathroom stalls, somebody has devised one of these hook thingies with a camera. It's like a little... Oh, no way. Yeah, it, it's really disgusting. And so it's one of these fiber optic cameras, uh-huh. and so it looks perfectly natural. It looks like it belongs there, but it doesn't. And they've been finding these in bathroom stalls all throughout this Florida town. Oh, boy. Well, you got to think, you know, tourists going into wherever they can find a toilet, you know, around, yeah. around yeah. the keys. Uh, in Hollywood circles, it was considered as much of a sure thing as death and taxes. Sequels making as much money or more than the originals. But these days, not really the case. It has some in the entertainment industry a little worried. Some of the sequels expected to do pretty well well at the box office have struggled. The latest example, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Charlie, were you surprised by that? <laughs> there was a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, was there? Well, there were, what, three or four of the live-action ones yeah. way back when, now new ones. Well, while no one is ready to pull the plug on sequels as a whole, the recent slump of movies like Zoolander is causing some execs to take a close look at the premise that every good movie idea is a good idea forever. Meanwhile, the most popular movie franchises have sequels lined up for the next several years at least. Now, my contention is mm. it's impossible to do a good comedy sequel. I think there has been one, maybe two good comedy sequels ever. The worst one, that, well, the most recent poorly done one that comes to my mind as far as comedy was Anchorman 2. Oh. Thought they were trying too hard. Oh. Anchorman 1 was great. However, yeah. I do have a bone to pick with you. I believe Airplane 2 was just as good as the original. Maybe well, not better. Shatner's involvement, okay, weird. okay, yeah. I, I can buy that. The problem is the premise was already just kind of done. I know they take the space shuttle to the moon. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. I, I think if you were to watch that now, it may not be as funny. The, the only good sequel I can mm. think of, a comedy, would be 22 Jump Street. Oh. That was very good. I don't yeah. know if you saw it. That was actually very funny. Hilarious. Ha ha. Uh, they, they, they moved along with it. Maybe uh, the vacation movies, mm-hmm. Christmas vacation. Well, Charlie, I'm wondering if you put the story in here for me to read just because you want to get around to the point that there are too many sequels to the Land Before Time movies. Oh, that's impossible. I said comedy sequels. Oh. I celebrate those films. You've got this poor little T-Rex. Nope. He's a brontosaurus. <laughs> Something like making that. Making his way in this world. Uh-huh. His father killed suddenly. He has to be the, the king of the new pride of nope. dinosaurs. You haven't seen these movies, have you? It's the mom that dies. Oh, the mom that dies. Yeah. Okay, and then the daughter becomes the princess of Arendelle. No, it's the son. And, okay. Uh, oh, oh, okay. And then th- they they go to San Fran, Tokyo, mm-hmm. and that is where this robot becomes the king dinosaur. That's actually pretty close. Really? Well, I mean, there's like a bad guy, but, you know, similar. <laughs> LAPD going green with his black and whites. Sir, put the quinoa down. (laughs) I think that's San Francisco, Charlie. Oh, okay. LAPD adding 100 electric cars to its motor pool. Uh, Apparently, these are not going to be used on patrol. Says it will save gas. But it it really seems to me, okay, you go out to perhaps Capitol Hill. Uh You go, I don't know, to Magnolia. 
These would fit in well for the new fleet for the SPD. Yeah, but if they're not going to be used on patrol, what's the use? Because oh, they'd use them on patrol here. Here they would, yeah. But right. in L.A., I don't see the, the point because if a police officer's on duty in a vehicle, shouldn't they kind of by default be on patrol? I mean, even if you're the chief, you could still pull a guy over. Go on 35 you have that 30, power, and then O'Toole comes to your window and right. says, License <laughs> you, and registration, sir. Are you aware of how fast you're going, sir? <laughs> Well, there are a lot of studies that support music is a method that helps people with dementia, Alzheimer's, remember their past. It's a really incredible field of study. Como's Brian Calvert introduces us to a man who's taking this one step further. When Dan Cohen was in his late teens, he had a chance to go to the concert that would define his generation. He had two tickets, but then came the traffic reports. The New York State Thruway was closed due to traffic and bad weather. Not wanting to get stuck in that line of cars, Cohen made the choice to just stay home. Even though he missed Woodstock, the music continues to resonate in him and those of his generation. I see As a social worker, Cohen wondered if music might unlock the door to the minds of the nation's elderly. We shall and even though there are 16,000 nursing homes in the U.S., they couldn't find one with, that was providing people's own music to, to the residents of these homes. And so I called up a local home. I live on Long Island, a 600-bed uh, county facility. And I said, I know music's already your number one recreational activity, but can we see if there's any added value if we were to totally personalize the music? Personalize the music? This meant months of culling through thousands of songs, identifying the benchmarks, those anthems that resonated the most. And it worked. People try to put us Today, his music and memory program offers instructions to how to personalize a playlist that will wake up the mind of someone with dementia. In many cases, these specialized playlists are also reducing medications. The, the 65 residents with advanced dementia, and they were using the iPods for three years, and they reduced the uh, usage from 38% to 13%. All because of what Woodstock meant to Dan Cohen, which is interesting. As you've been listening to the soundtrack of the last two minutes, you remember that time as well. Now imagine the power to use these same songs on your peers as the baby boomers approach their 70s and some begin to struggle to remember. Brian Calvert, Como News. Hey, Taylor. Yes? We got some literature. We get a lot of free stuff in the newsroom here at Como. So much. Uh, not necessarily good stuff right. all the time, or even stuff we ask for. Right. But now and then, you know this better than I do, Charlie, but now and then when we get somebody for an interview, mm -hmm. the publicist will track down our address and then just send us promotional material, whether it's, hey, American Idol gear is coming and we're not even the Fox affiliate. For example, we had a restaurant the other day mm -hmm. send us burgers with the hope of us mentioning them on air. But I think a lot of people just ate the burgers, threw away the wrappers, and took no notice of what the restaurant was. Precisely. And that's what's happened with the books we get sent at Como. Now, listen, a lot of times they're great books or authors we're going to talk about on there. Sometimes 
uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. For example, we have from uh, the likes of Lisa Klepas, a New York Times bestseller, according to the uh, the cover here, a book called Marrying Winterborn. Uh, I think part of a series because Ms. Klepas has also written Secrets of a Summer Night. It happened one autumn, devil in winter, scandal in spring, cold-hearted rake, basically what you see at the airport newsstands before you get on a plane. Uh, This is, word for word, the hook line they try and get you with this book. Quote, saying, I do to his promise of intoxicating passion is her only option. Here's what I thought I'd do. I'm going to randomly pick a page, Uh and we're going to have the Charlie and Taylor players. <laughs> Page 130, if you could find your way okay. to the book at that point, All I'm right. going to um, do this. And this is the first time you're seeing this page, right? I'm not walking Cold reading this, Taylor. Okay. Sitting on the floor beside him, Helen eased his black head into her lap. Where are you hurt? She asked anxiously. Is it your back? Shoulder dislocated this morning. Have you seen a doctor? I... Letting go of her skirt fabric, Reese flexed his fingers experimentally. It's all right, he muttered. Moving stiffly, he began to sit up and paused with a groan of agony. Helen moved to help him, wedging herself beneath his good arm. She felt him jolt as she accidentally pressed a sore place on his side. It's more than your shoulder, she said in worry. Um, Charlie, I think we need to pick this up again at the end of, of the episode, uh, and it'll be my turn to pick a page. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Stay waiting for that. Hey, what about the Zika virus? It's a tough question to answer in the contiguous United States. Contiguous. You know, I like to use big words. I was reading the book a little bit earlier. Regardless of how prevalent it could become this summer, the CDC is standing by to deploy response team. Taylor has a story. If you watch TV shows or movies about an apocalypse kicked off by a virus, the term response team isn't exactly a comforting one. It implies the potential of a serious problem that only a specialist could solve, or maybe they can't. Like in the movie, I Am Legend. My name is Robert Neville. I'm a survivor living in New York City. But this is once again where we need to jump back into reality with the help of the experts and not project those movies into our real lives. Lena Sun from the Washington Post specializes in health reporting and sat down for a conversation with the CDC. Lena, let's start with that worry. Are CDC response teams going to be swarming the streets and picking people up like we see in the movies? Well, I don't think so. Based on what the CDC told me, they are planning to send these teams when they're asked or invited by the state. And what Tom Frieden is saying is that they don't expect to be going to a lot of like big swarming um, outbreaks, that there are more likely to be one-off or single cases. And then when that happens and the state wants them to go through, go to visit, they'll be sending teams of Probably 10 to 15 people per group. And what those teams will do is basically generate a timeline of the infection. They'll talk with neighbors, help improve efficiency at local hospitals, and just try and stop the infection from spreading. And um, Tom Frieden specifically said that the reason they don't expect there to be, like, massive spread is that the conditions for this mosquito to spread are not generally here in the United States. Americans have air conditioning, they have window screens, they live in less densely crowded conditions than in places that are really heavily affected by Zika. And also, this mosquito only flies about 150 meters in its lifetime. So it ain't going very far. Because of that, it's harder to, to spread. And so, um, but because this is so high profile, 
even though it's not going to be common, it's high profile enough that when they get a case or a suspected bunch of cases or a single confirmed case, CDC will go if the state invites them to. That's right. It's invite only. A state has to ask for the help. And here in Washington, conditions are not ideal for that Aedes mosquito to live, and there are no populations of it around us. Remember, responding to Zika is something new for many scientists, too. To help explain the disease, Lena and her team at the Washington Post, along with help from the CDC, put together a video that's really easy for everybody to understand. Only about one in five people infected with Zika will get sick, and only for a few days. Those who get sick suffer from a mild illness. Fever, rash, muscle pain, or conjunctivitis are some of the symptoms. Now back to Lena's son and her conversation with the CDC. Now, the leadership there won't say how many cases of Zika they expect to see in the lower 48 states and Hawaii, but they are facing an alarming situation for hundreds of thousands of American citizens in Puerto Rico. And there they have estimated that up to 20% of the population in Puerto Rico, that's 3.5 million people, could become infected. So we're talking, you know, 700,000 upwards of people who could become infected. And then of those thousands of women, and we don't know how many of those women, what the risk is having a baby with microcephaly. A recent study showed that the risk was as high as 13% if you got infected with the virus in your first trimester. This is based on data from Brazil, one of the hardest hit places in Brazil. First trimester when a lot of folks sometimes don't even know if they're pregnant. Exactly. What's also unknown, the long-term effects of Zika, say years down the road, on those of us that are perfectly healthy now and not planning on having kids in the next couple of years. What we do know is here in Washington, conditions are fine and mosquitoes capable of carrying the Zika virus will not show up here. That doesn't mean you won't be able to spread it from person to person, though. Sexual transmission is very much possible. For more on what the Zika virus really is and what scientists know about it as of June, you can find that all online at WashingtonPost.com in the article published by Lena Sun. All right, so in effect, Taylor, what you're saying is, yeah, this is a big deal, but we don't need to go into the mindset of, oh my God, zombie apocalypse. Right, right, right. It's it's more along the lines of the flu, you know, yeah. something similar. Not as bad. I don't want to say the disease isn't as bad as Ebola because it affects babies so horribly. Right, but the prevention doesn't need to be taken as seriously as Ebola. Basically, if if you, like me, live in Washington, well, first off, the mosquitoes aren't going to survive here. However, human transmission is possible, so as long as you're using prophylactics, you know, it'll be okay. Uh, And as long as uh, you take precaution of spraying yourself with uh, mosquito repellent on vacation. Deet, yeah, yeah, and and like uh, Lena was saying, you know, as long as you have window screens and air conditioning and the mosquitoes don't really want to get to you, You'll be okay. I'm going to start wearing citronella soap. Oh, that's a good idea. Soap, at least. You grew up around here. You might know the name Stuart Anderson, not just from the Shag commercials. Did Lupin- he do the Shag commercials, He used too? to do them before Lupinell. I forget who did them before okay. uh, Stuart. But uh, he, he, Stuart was kind of a big deal. He had the Black Angus restaurant chain. Mm-hmm. He was the founder of that. And, and he died this week. Well, and I remember seeing so many of those signs around Washington in, in the 90s, at least. These days, yeah. not too many of them. Oh, in Federal Way. Yeah, that's Definitely yep, in Federal Way. way. I mean, uh, when I'm looking, looking to score some beef, it's Federal Way. Well, regardless of what you're looking to score, Charlie, Como's Corwin Hake takes a look back. 
Stuart Anderson founded the Black Angus chain in Seattle in 1964. Nothing terribly complicated. Just great American cooking. By 1995, there were more than 100 Black Anguses in 13 states, and Anderson was a familiar figure on TV, dressed in Western gear and a black cowboy hat, as he promoted the chain's Angus beefsteaks. For years, the Anderson family raised Black Angus cattle on their 2,400-acre ranch in eastern Washington. Anderson died Wednesday at the age of 93. Black Angus emerged at a time when Seattle was very much a working-class town, and chain restaurants were not yet a fixture on the scene. When I was growing up, Black Angus was the first exposure to something like fine dining for families like mine. Many a prom date started at Black Angus, attracted by the high-backed booths that provided a lot of privacy and moderate prices even a paper carrier could pay. Specially priced at just $7.95. Anderson sold the chain and retired in the 1980s. Corwin Hake, Como News. Hey, by the way, Corwin, look this up. Mm-hmm. Four Black Angus restaurants left. Linwood, Federal Way, right. where I score all my beef, Puyallup, and Lakewood. Okay, so they're still out there, ready to get to us. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. Nude bicyclists. Hey, this is something we all... Sometimes enjoy. Other times, like during the Fremont Solstice Parade, you know, you could take or leave a few of them. A few? Uh, Well, at least the years when you're entered, Charlie. It's a Seattle tradition. Hundreds of people riding bikes in the all together, wearing body paint and nothing else. I just told them there'd be lots of uh, strange and interesting things going on, not to be afraid. But now the Fremont Arts Council has a new proposal to dangle in front of participants. They want a little shrinkage in terms of the total number of people who ride in the parade. The Seattle Bike Blog reports as many as 1,500 people do the nude ride, and the council wants to nip that number down to a more manageable amount and have the most artistic riders featured in the future. So they're asking riders to register ahead of time. Council says it's voluntary to do so this year, but many may find it chafing next year when they say registration will be required. Now the nude ride isn't official, so the council risks creating a flap if very few sign up. The parade and ride take place next weekend. Charlie Harger, Como News. Charlie, you're talking a little bit about um, uh, posteriors. Yes. There. Okay. I don't want to look back. I like the word play, first of all. Yeah. Um, I understand, though, that that version that we played didn't actually make it to air this week. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Taylor, because here's what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh that was a little difficult to <laughs> to spit out in one take. And yeah. if, in fact, what what happens? What you might not know is in the background, I have Nancy Barrick, <laughs> who sits right next to me, our executive producer. Now, I, I just want to play this one little section for you. Okay. Dangle in front of participants. <laughs> okay, Good. I, I, I got to do this, but. Now, the Fremont Arts Council has a new proposal to dangle in front of participants. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. Because I got a lot in front of me. Okay. <sighs> At that point, that's when Nancy had to walk away. <laughs> Hold on. In terms of... <laughs> I, can't, I can't look at Nancy. Okay. <laughs> And that is what happens when you're trying to read something. Nancy is perhaps the nicest human being yeah, alive. No kidding. Really respected. She has a lot of dignity. 
And I'm reading that story in front of Nancy. Well, and the angle of the desk is such that you're kind of looking at her yeah. when you're looking at your computer screen. Now, she, at the same time, she's cracking up yeah. as well. But there's a line with Nancy Barrick. What's that line? I don't know. But when it comes to dangling, you, just you, gotta, know. you gotta watch out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was at the editor's desk that day and just sitting underneath my headphones, wondering what was so funny, but then at the same time thinking, it's probably just best if I wait until, you know, it makes it to air. Because if Nancy says it's okay, I'm going to put it on the air. Right, right. I, 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 there, was a, there was a meeting. <laughs> Believe you me, there was a meeting. Do we need to put this through management? Eh... It, it, it kind of got into that area. Yeah, ask for forgiveness. Exactly. All right. Uh, story you worked on this week as well. Scientists at Washington State University mm-hmm. Go Cougs. working on this product. It's asphalt, but it absorbs road grime instead of letting all that grease and muck wash into the local waters. When the rain comes after a long dry spell, all of that gunk that comes out of the back of our cars is picked up and washed away. Sometimes into holding ponds, sometimes into streams, much of it eventually into Puget Sound, where the fish eat it. And then we eat the fish, and we end up with all those heavy metals inside of us. But what if the pollution we leave behind were to filter through the road instead of just sit on top of it? It'd become filtered by gravel underneath, cleaned by the crust of the earth eventually. John Stark is a toxicologist at the Washington State University Research and Extension Center in Puyallup, where they're testing such an asphalt in their own parking lot. We have the largest stormwater research and education program in the United States actually here and have been working on this since 2009. And we've had some great successes with it. And right now what we're trying to do is determine you know, how well these materials perform and you know, how much of a pollutant uh, reduction we end up with. But the new asphalt mixtures aren't perfect. They're facing some problems. They hold up fairly well, but they don't have the same uh, life expectancy as the regular materials. And so they have a lot of application, for example, in parking lots. But we're working with our engineers in Pullman uh, and with Boeing on ways to increase the tensile and compressive strength of these materials. That's right. Our neighborhood jet manufacturer is lending some of their technology from the Dreamliner, special carbon fibers to strengthen the asphalt. These are carbon fibers that Boeing uses in their 787 wing. And so we have a, it's a preliminary study, but it looks very promising and we're going to uh, do future research. But we think that we're on the right track to make these materials much more resilient. And if that is the case, then they could be used in a much uh, wider fashion. Again, John Stark from the Washington State University Extension in Puyallup, pioneering green blacktop. Stop by and see if you notice any oil stains in their parking lot. Taylor Van Sice, Como News. So kind of cool, Charlie. Uh, Basically, you, you see stuff... From the road, sitting on top. What if it just kind of soaked through? You know, we're walking into the Como parking garage all the time. We we see oil stains or bits of rainwater still hanging around. Well, it's got to wash away or dry somewhere. That's why I carry a bottle of Dawn dishwashing detergent everywhere I go. Oh, that's a bottle of Dawn in your pants? Yes. Okay. You know what? I'm calling an audible here. What's the audible? I've got this story about Netflix and sto- shows we binge watch, but this uh-huh. has been all over the news. This is the Como water cooler. Right. We don't miss out on stories. We don't miss out on stories, but if that's been overplayed, and yeah, people are watching Mad Men all the time. Mm-hmm. They like Breaking Bad. They right. love the West Wing. Okay, we get it. Mm-hmm. I, I love that story. I'm proud of doing that story, but I think we need to get back to the nudity. Oh. Not you. Oh. I want to talk about this restaurant. Oh. Yeah. 
The restaurant that one with the is that the one with the paper underwear? The restaurant with the paper underwear. Oh. It's a hot new dining establishment in Tokyo. The AFP reports the new restaurant has a strict no clothing policy. You, you go there, you check in your clothes, and you're given a pair of paper underwear. Then you wine and dine wearing nothing else. If you enjoy food a little too much, this place isn't for you. The restaurant's policy is that if you're more than 33 pounds over the recommended weight for your height, you're not welcome there. Unsure? Well, no worries. They have a scale. You better not be unacceptably old either. Only those between 18 and 60 will have the privilege of eating there. Uh, One last thing. You can't have any tattoos either. I know what you're thinking. This place sounds amazing. How much does it cost? Well, it's 750 bucks a pop. You'll be served by muscle-bound men wearing G-strings. They put on a dance show. Think thunder from down under, only classier. The restaurant opens next month. You have to pay ahead of time and no refunds, even if you're a 34-pound overweight tattooed 61-year-old. Would you eat there? Uh, You did the story. How could that possibly be sanitary? Aside from all the other concerns, how could it possibly be clean? You know, I worked in food service uh, before and, uh, well, through high school before and then uh, during college and uh, and after college a little bit. And, oh boy, you know, it's already pretty... uh, Nasty? Unhygienic. Yeah. 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 Uh, To add that on top, I don't don't know. (laughs) Okay. Taylor. Yeah. We are at the end of our program. Oh, my. But before we wrap this up, Marrying Winterborn, yes. this is the novel by Lisa Klepas, or Klepas, or Klepas. Her name is. Uh, we got sent free copies of the book. We got sent two copies of the book. Yeah. We are the Como radio players, the water cooler actors. I don't know what it is. Well, and, and we do our research on these authors, too. It's not as though we just see the book on a table and bring it down here and read pages Heavens. at random. No. Goodness, no. Uh, I'd like to tell you a little bit about Lisa Klepas, though. She graduated from Wellesley. Uh, she's a political science major and apparently has won some awards for both historical romance and contemporary women's fiction. Haven't ever heard of historical romance as a genre. Uh, Wait a second. Wait a second. Huh? We're going to feel like big jerks here. Why? Look Look at that last line. Let's see. Uh, her novels are published in 14 Move, different next languages. Next line. She lives in Washington State with her husband, Gregory, and their two children. Here is poor Lisa. <laughs> oh, no. Lisa wrote a perfectly fine book. She's probably sold millions of these things. Yeah. And well, yeah, it's, it's got almost an as if... cover. Look at you. You're making fun of this lady who's just trying to make oh. a living writing naughty books. Well, now you're blaming me for what was clearly a mutual decision. No, it wasn't. <laughs> well, I respect Lisa. If you would please turn your uh, your handbook here to uh, page, ooh, let's see, 340. 340. That's 340. 340. That's right. All three. right. And the first line, Charlie, if you would go ahead and start. Helen groaned and sighed. <laughs> this is a great game. There's so much to explain. You can't start while you're having soup. No, I want to wait for Cassandra. There's too much for me to tell it twice. After Helen had eaten, bathed, and changed into a nightgown and robe, she sat in her bed with Charity snuggled beside her. They watched as the twins enacted the story of the three bears. Cassandra played the part of Goldilocks, naturally. All right, I'm done with that. Oh. 237. 237, okay. All right. right. Chapter 20, start of chapter 20. 
Again, Lisa, this is a perfectly fine book. Uh, it's a genre thing. Right. We're two dudes. And you sent it to us for free anyway. I mean... Lisa Kleypas. The book, again, is Marrying Winterborn, a New York Times bestseller, available at bookstores now. Chapter 20 starts, Do not cross your legs, Pandora. I like it already. Occupy your chair entirely. Cassandra, try not to fling the drapery of your skirts all about while sitting down. Lady Berwick dispensed these and many other instructions to the twins during afternoon tea with the expertise of a woman who had trained many young ladies. Oh, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, you really can't send guys like us a book like this. You can't. It does. The cover does match your shirt, though, today, Charlie. Thank you. I, I, I'm wearing something leathery. Hey, uh, listen, uh, go to bookstores now. Lisa, I, I see, if it said she lived in Oregon. Yeah, or Idaho. You do what? Idaho. It's a state uh, on uh, the, the North American continent. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but yes, if, if you do want to get it, it's, it's actually got some really nice descriptive words. It's uh, called Marrying Winterborn. Listen, we are done. Yes. That's uh, the end of another episode of the Como Water Cooler. But it doesn't mean it's the end of really anything here at Como because oh, we're on heavens. 24-7. You know, 20 minutes of nonstop news at the top and bottom of the hour, as you hear the big voice say all the time. On the radio? On the radio. Where's that? And, well, on the AM dial, it's 1,000. Real easy to, mm-hmm. to remember. FM dial, 97.7. And Did, Wait, are there any other ways you can the, listen to Como know, News Radio? There are, and if you wouldn't interrupt, I would say them, Charlie. Gosh. Like, how would you listen to those? Again, with the interruption. ComoNews.com. Like on your phone? You could do it on your phone. You could do it on your desktop computer, even uh, your, your laptop What if computer. you have a Mac? If you have a Mac, that's, well, that's a different kind of problem that you have. But again, ComoNews.com or through the Apple iTunes store. Did you learn something today, Charlie? I sure did. <laughs> you learned that we probably shouldn't crack open uh, romance novels without reading the bio of Absolutely. the author. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, our apologies to Lisa Kalifas. Charlie, I had fun this week. I had fun this week. We will catch you next week. This is the Como Water Cooler. So yeah, so so you would end with saying, so in effect, Taylor, it is a big deal, but we don't need to go into our you know mindset of oh my god, zombie apocalypse, something along those lines. I don't know. All right, so in effect, Taylor, what you're saying is, yeah, this is a big deal, but we don't need to go into the mindset of oh my god, zombie apocalypse. Right, right, right. It's-